0: In this podcast, Aaron and I talk to an IDF soldier named Ruveen Becker. Ruvin is in his lives in his village called Meitzad, which is in the West Bank. And in this podcast, he really talks about his experiences. He talks about how he had to get up and he's fighting for his village to protect his village, to protect his wife, and to protect his children. He goes through all of that and he goes through the feelings that are in the air, the atmosphere that are in his village and that is in Israel, the fear uh, but also the unity, I found this was an incredible, powerful podcast, that I, it really changed me, it really changed what I think, and it's something that I would urge you to listen uh, in the midst of this crisis. Hello Ruving. so you are, well just explain what who you are, what you're from and uh, your whole story.
1: Well, my name is Ruben Amida Becker. I live in uh, southeast of uh, Judea, in an area located uh, between Jerusalem, Bethlehem, down south to Chiron. We are uh, located on a strategic area that basically sees the whole area from uh, where we're located, down till the Dead Sea, all that area, uh, we're on top, we're at the high ground over there. Uh, we have a Haredi Yishuv over here. I'm 44 years are old, you, Married.
0: A sure, sure is a village.
1: Yeah, issue is the village, sorry. Um, uh, I am 44 years old, uh, married, seven kids, and I feel very lucky to be part of the IDF, especially when I'm protecting my own house, uh, surrounding uh, the people around us who dislike us, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so you're caught up in the complex, so you're, you're in a village, which border are you
1: in? I am not in the borders of Gaza or Lebanon. Uh, I am in Judea and Samaria itself, boarding, basically we're um, protecting the, the villages, all the Jewish villages around. We they need a lot of protection. Everyone understands that what happened in Gaza definitely could happen here. We're hearing uh, what they're saying in their social media. We're hearing their mosques at four o'clock in the morning when they're saying it go kill all the Jews. We hear that and we understand that whatever happened in down south next to Gaza could definitely happen also in Judea and Samaria, and we're ready for them.
0: So you're in Israel. Obviously, the war kicked off. And as far as I, I could tell from my research, you are in a small village of about 3,000 people. So uh, what's it like being from a small village once, the, once Hamas started start firing rockets?
1: Well, the rockets are the least of our problems because uh, we have uh, we have between 30 seconds to a minute and a half to run for shelter. So that's uh, our least of our problems. The, that's the least of our problems. The main problem is what happens when they try to come in and sneak here. All we need is just one guy that's going to be able to sneak into our village and start doing a massacre, and it's bad news for everyone. So uh, if it's one guy, or if it's ten guys, or hundred guys, we're just prepared. That means that we're basically awake most of the day, most of the night. We're surrounding our village all the time and just looking out and hoping for the best. And it means to be on constant alert all the time. That doesn't mean you get a lot of sleep.
0: So I visited that, the where you are right now. As you remember, I visited there a couple of months ago. And just to go through the security, I mean, the English listeners will think about this and they'll never hear the security. Never, it's like this sort of security you never have in the UK to get into the village, you need to call someone out who will, also, will have to manu, manually open the gate from their phone on the app, however it is, to manually let you into the village. And this, usually by the, right. by the entrance as well, there's soldiers. And as well as that, there's soldiers patrolling the whole area the whole time. Uh, and then there's people like you who wear guns, who go around with guns for security uh, seven days a week. And there's just all that man- all those measures of security. Um, but I heard more recently, what happened? Did the soldiers leave or... What exactly happened? Did, did you have higher security or lower security since
1: what's happened? Uh, I can't. I cannot say if it's higher security or lower security since everything happened, but uh, uh, basically it means that when Israel goes into war, the main people, the main bone of the IDF is the reserves. Now, reserves people are people who are usually regular civilians just like me and, and your um, cousin Elchanan. Uh-huh. Uh it's it's uh, uncle, uncle, sorry. Um, we are basically regular civilians who are suddenly called up, and you immediately need to change your mode in your head from a civilian mode to an army mode, and just uh, hope that all the training you do, and we do training, we go training at least twice a year. We go on, on in regular normal days, we go training twice a year for like a week every time. And when we're called up, we just hope that all the training is going to kick in and we're going to respond as uh, as we're supposed to. Uh, so far, it's been uh, quiet. I can't say 100% quiet because we had a few incidents with uh, the villages around us. They tried to get close. They tried to start uh, looking at us through binoculars and seeing what we're doing. Uh, we immediately responded by going out there and shooting at them. We're not waiting. It's not like it used to be up till uh, this awful incidents that happened on Simchat Torah. Up till that time, if we would see Arabs coming around, we would just uh, look at them and, uh, you know, just get ready if they would do something. Now, if they just get close to our fence, uh, just to watch and see and look what we're doing, we immediately just open our guns and open fire immediately, just to let them understand. We say this uh, expression in Hebrew, ishtagya. It means that we basically the Jews went crazy. We're going nuts. If anyone tries to get close to us, we're not going to give him a chance. And uh, that means being on constant alert all the time. Are you scared then? No. Never been scared. I. Uh, I'm a believer. I'm a Jew who grew up religiously, uh, seeing all the prophecies uh, becoming coming to life when you walk through Jerusalem and you see. Elderly people walking with their canes and babies, and knowing that all of this was uh, uh, almost two thousand years ago. This place was burnt down to rubbles, and there was nothing here. Yet Yirmiyahu Navi, Shaya Navi, the all, all the prophecies, they all said all those prophecies are actually going to happen, and that we will survive the almost two thousand years being in exile. Especially what happened to us in Europe, no one could no one could explain how the Jewish people survive this. So now that I'm back in Eris Israel to be scared, that's the last thing I'm going to be scared. The Arabs are scared, thank God. We have people in our community who are connected to their social media. And thank God the Arabs are scared. We're not scared. We're, we're waiting for them. We just it's want them to, to give us, give us, a, us chance. a chance. And we're and going to show sure. them what are the chosen people made out of. We're but not scared.
0: What about the children and women of the village?
1: So, obviously, uh, children, you need to learn how to filter the uh, information down to them in order for them to understand in their head, you know, after all, their kids, they don't really understand the situation. So, you need to, we have a lot of um, psych, uh, psychologists who are going online and giving us a lot of information of how to filter the information down to the kids. About women, listen, some women are stronger, some women are less. You can't judge anyone because uh, I have a neighbor over here. she was in a terrorist attack. I don't know if people remember around two thousand and one, there was, was a suicidal suicide bomb bombing. in uh, Jerusalem and she was in that in that suicide uh, attack. And now that this whole thing started, she's panicking. She's post traumatic. So some people are going to respond if if they have post trauma, like PTSD they will respond uh, the way that people of PTSD will respond. Some people take it uh, easier, some people take it uh, a little bit harder. Oh, we have a lot of help from different organizations who are helping people who need help, especially psychology psychology, mentally. It's not easy, especially for women, because let's say when I, me, as a husband, I leave the house, I leave my wife alone at home when I need to go to respond to some attack, she needs to stay alone. It's harder for her uh, because she is imagining what's happening to me in the battle. For me, as being in the battle, it's different because you know I'm seeing the fi- I see what's in front of me, so I'm la- I'm not scared. But for women who are in the back line, they're just it's imagining just what's, happening what's happening to us, us freaking surprise. out sometimes. So Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of uh, good teams, and in- unfortunately in Eretz role we're used to this stuff, how to respond and calm people down when they go into a mental attack and start getting scared.
0: What you're describing there is that like when you're going into the front line and when you're responding to attacks, it sounds like almost like a horror movie. It's just just full of terror. Is it, is it, I mean, I, I find it like hard to live. It like just every day when you just not hard to live, but it's just hard. To, you, you don't know what to expect every day. It's just everything's on the edge.
1: So that's that's the hard point. It's if it would be on a daily basis, it would be easier. <laughs> But it's not on a daily on a daily basis. So basically, if being alert all the time—that's the hard point because you you, you can't sleep. You what? I go to bed and the radio's on, the phone's on, and everything is buzzing all the time. So you don't really get to sleep, and you're on constant alert, and your you, your imagination sometimes starts attacking you when you go into some kind of a not nah, the best mo- mode or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's all uh, this we don't have a choice, I mean, that's the reality. So we need to deal with reality. And Baruch Hashem, Hashem, Hashem God is giving us the, the strength to deal with this. Uh, and, you know, just as they say, we suck it up and we're waiting for, uh, to win this. It's
0: a bit scary seeing all the footage. Like you you, you said, all they need is one person to slip through. I mean, I've seen footage. I mean, you've probably seen the same video of where there was uh, that someone drove up to gates of a village and then uh, and then as soon as the gate started to open Hamas terrorists shot those people shot the, all the people in the car shot them straight in the head and then just walked in and walked in the village so it's, it's scary to see and then just think about
1: it yeah I understand it's just it's a bit of a difference between uh, uh, what happened down in the surroundings of Gaza and what's happening now because now everyone is on constant alert. Unfortunately, they caught they caught us by surprise. We don't know. There's going to be a lot of questions to be that will need to be answered after this war. How such a thing happened that the IDF was not on, on constant alert, constant alert surrounding, surrounding Gaza, Gaza when, when they we knew that the Hamas is uh, is uh, preparing for such a thing. They saw uh, they saw them training the uh, the demonstrations where they let people to demonstrate next to the fence mm-hmm. of Gaza, which allowed. Hamas terrorist people to get close to the fence and put bombs inside who detonated on Simcha and it basically opened the fence for, for all those terrorist people to, to swarm into Israel. Now we're in a different situation because everyone is on constant alert. Everyone's ready. Everyone is with their finger on the trigger. Everyone wants to fight back. So any which tries to get close to settlement okay. uh, probably is not going to be able to because we're in constant alert. So I'm less scared now than before.
0: Being from such a small village, what are the supplies like there? Do you have enough food to feed everyone? Do you have everything? So, in
1: terms of food, water, electricity, we're doing okay, Baruch Hashem. I mean, we are preparing for the worst. We, like Ellie knows, we are uh, we're a bit uh, we're surrounded. Our village is uh, surrounded uh, with the Palestinian um, villages, so there is uh. There is a point that we think that may happen if things escalate, that they will try to cut us off and block the roads, uh, the only one road that that comes to our village. But the IDF is working hard to to stop such a thing to happen. We are, you know, after all, we are in an emergency time. So we do prepare ourselves for stuff like that. And we are stacking up food and water uh our main 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 issue is the supplies for the soldiers. some soldiers are missing supplies. because uh, you know, people are asking themselves, how could it be? How could it be that soldiers are missing supplies? I just want to mention it's the first time in the history of the State of Israel that the Israeli army mobilized 400,000 people in one day. That never happened. Not even in the Yom Kippur War. This is the first time they mobilized so many people. So unfortunately, you can't you can't prepare yourself as much as much as you try. It's very hard to prepare yourself to, for such a big, uh, thing to happen. So, uh, some soldiers uh, are not getting all the supplies they need, and uh, and uh, that's basically what we when we called out for people to help us. Uh, it's uh. It's in order to get the IDF, not to give us the supplies because we prefer that the supplies go to soldiers in the front line. And we will get the supplies coming from donations coming from outside, which, uh, which uh, it's unbelievable. The amount of response that we're getting from all over the Jews around the world just shows me how much the Jewish nation is like a strong fist. They tried showing us for the last six months how much we hate each other, how much we're not going to get along. People in the Israeli media are talking about that we're going to split the two nations, Israel and Judah. Hashem showed us we just need to get one, one whack on our face and we immediately became one strong fist. And we don't care anymore. You are religious. You're not religious. You're a right winger, a left winger. you nothing. It doesn't matter anymore. And the amount of support we're getting from from Jews abroad, it's just amazing, unbelievable. It's giving us it's giving us a lot of strength to hold basically your home because you will need to come here soon too. And that's our job. And we really thank everyone for the support. It's amazing.
0: It's amazing too, that you're describing the sense of unity that's happening within the Jewish community all around the world. No matter who you are, you come together. I mean, I've seen that in the Manchester, the UK Jewish community, but I've also seen, seen that from afar, what's happening in Israel. That you see these people that hated each other in government coming together and saying, no, we're going to stand against this. Former prime minister, former president, whoever it is, they're going and saying, we support Bibi Netanyahu to, to do what he's doing. No matter, and you've never seen this before, this, this amount of unity before.
1: Well, it's uh it's unfortunately uh some people who lived in Israel who had an illusion that we could have peace with our neighbors here now understand that we're not dealing with normal people. We're not dealing with westerners. We're dealing this is the Middle East. In the Middle East the, the, the it's it's a different ball game. We cannot have a conflict like Western, uh, the Western nations are expecting Israel, well too, and they're they're really bothering us, you know. Seeing Biden, Biden, the president of the United, the the president of the United States, saying that uh, you know we need to stick to laws of war. I'm not saying we're going to go into every Arab village and start shooting everyone down and killing everyone. That's not how we work. But on the other hand, we need to understand that when you have people who are so, so cruel and they literally, they, they, they made a pogrom. This is the first time since the Holocaust that we had a pogrom, like in Europe. And it was, it was ugly. It was cruel. We cannot, have, uh, we cannot have a war when you're dealing with religious fanatics like those Muslims. Um, what what scares, scares me is not what's happening, happening now in Israel, it's is what's, what's happening in Europe, Europe when people I'm um, seeing what just now happened in Sweden and Brussels and stuff like that and, and the, way the way the security uh, forces uh, respond over there, they just don't understand, they don't get it, what we're dealing with. And this is a threat that's not just to Israel, this is a threat for the rest of the world and And Western society is in, is, is in a place where they need to make a decision. Do we want to be slaughtered like what happened now in Israel or not? So, after what happened in in Simchat Torah, a lot of people in the left in Israel woke up and they understood, finally, they understood the reality of who are those people we're dealing with. And they're not people who you could basically sign a peace contract with them on a piece of paper. It's going to worth only the piece of paper, it's not going to worth anything else.
0: So, what are the options? Is it to. What what do you want? Is it to wipe out Hamas, or what's your uh, other options? Listen, I'm not the, the prime minister. minister. If I would be the, the prime minister, minister of
1: Israel, is... I would. Uh, I wouldn't be asking the world too much what to do. The Western, Western nations don't really get it. Well, what's the threat? So uh, uh, yet, we will need to. Uh, yet one of your
0: biggest allies. One of your biggest it.
1: allies America. It. Right, but they don't get it yet. Uh, I don't think that even in the Israeli government they really get it that it's not just the people in Gaza because it's the people it's Arabs all over Judean Samaria it's still, even Arabs who are who are high doctors and lawyers in Israel are pro Hamas and, and sharing on Facebook that they are so happy with what happened and these are people who are Israeli citizens so I don't get it I don't agree that they are bad Arabs or good Arabs. Any Arab who is silent about what happened now and doesn't pick up his head and starts kicking and saying this is wrong is part part of this this human crime. crime. Any Arab, and unfortunately I didn't hear hardly, I heard only one or two Arabs who are brave enough to go on social media and go against what happened. You don't see that. So if you're asking me, everyone's our enemy. And what are we supposed to do? It's either us or them. Use your imagination.
0: Do you, is, has any of your family been hurt in this attack? Thank God, no. Anyone you know?
1: But I do know a lot of people uh, who I know a bit personally also. Um, one of them is a, a young boy who was in the party next to Kibbutz Raim, next to the village of Raim. Uh, I'm a chazan on uh, uh, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, and he used to come to my minion, A very nice kid. Um, it, it's it's sad. I know him. I know a few other people. A few other people. I know. Like, oh, there isn't a family in Israel that doesn't know someone who there is, and everyone knows someone who was in that attack. Unfortunately, and it hurts.
0: Did that boy die? Yes. David, Wow. Yeah, it's, 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 I think the day it happened or the next day, whenever really anyone found out, it's just like, it was just really, it was a dark, it was a dark day for everyone. It was dark night for everyone, at least all for Jewish people in the UK, for Jewish people across the world, especially in Israel, really. It was just, just everything just felt different. Everything just was wrong.
1: Yeah, I just think, think that we don't really, really realize what happened. Not yet. We're still in a state of shock. The numbers are still going up. People don't really know, uh, you know, because it's uh, the the main media doesn't is not going to show you ugly footage. So you could only get uh, you could only get, uh, could only get uh, um, uh, you sorry. It's, it's a bit hard talk to talk about this. this. It's uh, I, I'm I hearing people who've been, been there and describing footage, just to hear them talk talking about this, about of, this, of babies, babies that their heads are not with their bodies. And you have a a, a a 30 or 40 babies, and now you need to try to see which head belongs to what body. You understand that we, we, this is insane. And uh, this is, there's no words, basically. There is no words. And I hope the world is going to wake up before it hits them.
0: So, I mean, yeah, no, it's, so it's, it's a really hard one to put words on to. Uh, you said you said a really, a really nice point before about a uh, point of unity. About how everyone's comes to United and I think it's a really nice way to end off. If we just talk about, I mean, if we could talk about uh, people, people, about, uh, about what you're trying to, you're trying, like you mentioned before, you're trying to raise money uh, for yeah. your soldiers. So um, yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to put the link in the description of this podcast so people, yeah. anyone who's listening, they can go down and they can actually click to donate. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say and then we can just finish off?
1: Yes, of course. So people need to understand what those donations are going for. Uh, it's going for equipment for soldiers. Uh, it, it, We're not talking specifically about buying guns and stuff. Soldiers came without clothes, okay? Like underwear, shampoo, uh, uh, you know, some people uh, want maybe more better equipment. Let's say when you're searching with a gun and you don't have a torch, you know, a, a flashlight to, uh, you could see what's happening, especially in the dark. Uh, uh, we have women over here in our in our village who their husbands were called up, and they're stayed uh, alone at home with the kids, and they don't have a gun. So we, in the campaign we've been doing, part of the money that we're raising is going to um, to fund. Guns for women who are left alone in their houses to protect to their children. If show something, God forbid something happens, they at least they should have their own gun that's going to give them a little bit of security. Uh, so that's where basically all the funds are going is to help soldiers. It's not just soldiers in our community. We have thousands of soldiers around our village also who also need support if it's a uh, you know, uh, getting uh, more shampoo if they're underwear, um, uh, socks. It, it, it's the small things that could uh, make a good soldier or a not good soldier. Because if, if you're not comfortable and you don't have what you need, uh, it, it's hard for you to fight. Uh, but when going back to the unity, when we're seeing all of Amisal behind us so united, that's the biggest contribution people could give us beyond the money the money is helping us i'm not denying it it's helping us because we could get equipment and we're buying equipment and and we're helping women over here to get personal guns that's fine but the main thing is the unity it's giving us so much strength knowing all of israel around globally around the world all of the israeli nation is behind us and i really want to thank you guys for that
0: Thank you so much for coming on Ruben and Thank I you. wish
1: you good luck. Bezat Hashem. We guys we're gonna party. There's gonna be a big party when this war is over because Mashiach is coming. Hang in there, be safe, and we'll see you when you come back home.
0: We're
1: looking forward Thank to you. looking forward to coming yeah. in and hopefully in a couple of months. Bezat Hashem, and it's to stay.